Side Hustle to Small Business is brought to you by Hiscox Insurance. Hiscox understands small business insurance isn't like other insurance. To learn more about how Hiscox Insurance can protect your business, go to Hiscox.com. Hiscox, encourage courage. I found that I really enjoyed being able to design that product and then build that product. And for the first time, I got to see the customer's satisfaction. She gave me a hug. She practically cried when she saw her new space. And I never got to experience that feeling, that part of my business before, seeing how much it means to the customer to give them a quality product. And I fell in love with it. I realized then that I needed a lot more of this industry than just building what the boss tells me to build. Welcome to Side Hustle to Small Business. I'm Lou Casale. On this show, I talk with entrepreneurs who chased after a dream without any idea of how it would turn out. Let's face it, nothing great is achieved without risk. Do you have what it takes? Hi, everyone. So you're working a side hustle and more sales and opportunities are coming in. Congratulations. When you reach the point where you start to wonder if your side hustle could actually be a full-time business, you may end up asking yourself this question. What do I know about running a full-time business? Could I actually pull this off? Today, I'm speaking with Josh Crandall of Elite Cabinets and Design. Like a lot of entrepreneurs out there, this is the situation Josh found himself in, and this is his story. Josh, welcome to Side Hustle to Small Business. Thanks for having me here, Lou. Well, it's great to have you on the show. You know, Josh, your company builds custom cabinetry. And when I look at your work and the craftsmanship, that's a skill that has obviously taken you years to develop. How did you get started in this line of work? And and when did you know it was something you wanted to pursue as a career? You know, Lou, when I was a teenager, actually, I needed somewhere to put my TV and my stepdad had some wood sitting around in his garage and a little skill saw. So I cut up all this wood and created my own design and screwed it all together. And I enjoyed it so much. I just signed up for shop class and learned as much as I could. Before school, I would go in, build things. During lunch, I would take my lunch breaks and build and after school as well. And it just developed into this. That was my hobby. I enjoyed doing it more than anything else. It started as a hobby and then it became a career. Can you talk about your early career and the kind of work you did in the early part of your career? Absolutely. I I think what primed me for cabinetry very well is when I got out of the Marine Corps, I worked for a company doing just trim work in a house, crown molding and door casings, things like that. And that didn't last very long, but I learned how to do a lot of the fine cuts that are required in high-end woodworking. So shortly thereafter, a company was looking for employees for their custom high-end cabinet shop. And I signed up. I started at minimum wage, but I already had one up on most people going into that industry because I had already started doing custom crown molding cuts and everything like that and worked for them for many years. And just I took my passion for doing woodworking from childhood and I brought that right into the industry as an employee. I couldn't get enough of it. So at some point in your career, you've got a job and, and you're working full time for someone else. What was the motivation to start a side hustle and how did that come about? Early on working for this company, my accountant actually wanted me to build her a kitchen. 
And so I, I went to her house and I took my measurements and I, I started doing a design, which is not the aspect that I typically do. I typically build all this stuff that's already designed. So I created this design and I built my first side project. I didn't have somebody telling me how to do it, what to do or anything. And I found that I really enjoyed being able to design that product and then build that product. And for the first time, I got to see the customer's satisfaction. She gave me a hug. She practically cried when she saw her new space. And I never got to experience that feeling, that part of my business before, seeing how much it means to the customer to give them a quality product. And I fell in love with it. I realized then that I needed a lot more of this industry than just building what the boss tells me to build. (laughs) So you've got the side hustle. How did that change your perspective on your future plans? What did you do next? So I kind of went back to just being an employee, working my nine to five, which was really 12, 14 hour day at that point. And my family life was picking up. You know, I had two kids at the time and then I got three kids and I realized I had to work 15 hours, 16 hours a day just to pick which bill I couldn't afford to pay anymore. And it was just getting too much. And I, I started realizing the larger my family grows, the more I have to work like an employer to pay my bills. I have to work the same amount of hours. I saw my former employer come in at 5.45 in the morning and I was waiting in the parking lot for him. Seven o'clock at night, he's kicking me out the door. But I needed those hours just to break even. And I started realizing my family deserves a better life than I'm able to provide them working like that. So then I started getting more side jobs and more side jobs just for the extra income. So I didn't have to work quite as much as an employee. So at some point you made the decision to strike out on your own and and turn your side hustle into a full-time business. What was the aha moment for you when you said, you know what, it's time to take the side hustle full-time? That's a good question, Lou. So I believed for a couple of years there that I was ready to go on my own. So me and my wife had that discussion multiple occasions, and she just wasn't ready to give up that steady paycheck yet, that definite paycheck. And for at the time, what we had going on, the work was come and go. But we got to a point where I was turning away so much more sales than my employer was ever paying me in an annual salary in one month's time. So I got to the point where it it was just time to sit down with my employer and have that conversation with him. So I went into the office, I sat down and, and I said, look, I have a lot of respect for this company, but I have a hard decision to make. And I'm turning away a lot of work to stay here. I feel like you should be paying me more money. And though he believed that to be true, he told me that my value for my time was worth more than than he was paying me, he felt that because in the future I wasn't going to be there, that he wasn't willing to give me that raise. You know, it was at that time that I realized it's time to make that next move. I had to fire my boss, start that process of building what what I had been already setting in motion for years in the making. You were in a real interesting situation there because it sounds like you were turning away business. I mean, it's one thing to think about You have a side hustle, you're thinking about taking it full-time, and a lot of people know there's potential, and there's obviously income coming in. But for you to say that you were turning away in one month what you, you could have made in a year, it seems like an obvious decision to jump, but that doesn't mean 
as a father of three at that time, still didn't feel that challenge of being on your own and feeling the risk you were going to take. Obviously, that must have been tough for you to kind of deal with all that, despite the fact that you had all that money on the table. Yeah, absolutely, Lou. I mean, everything we do, we do for our families. And we got to make the best decision we can for our family's well-being in the future. And though there was a lot going on, I was a young entrepreneur. I started as a blue-collar worker, no business background. I was about to embark on a journey of untreaded waters in my life. And though the work was coming in, there was always that scary thought that, well, yeah, it's coming in now will it come in next month or the month after? Because at this point, I hadn't learned how to plant the seeds of exposure and people finding me. I was still out there chasing that, chasing that work. And at some point, there's always that fear that, well, what if you're chasing something and it's just not there? So it's an emotional time. Though the money was there at the moment, it's really hard to jump from being an employee where you know every day you go in, that check's going to pay your bills to going out into the world to the unknown. What were some of the early challenges you faced and how did you overcome them? So the biggest challenge I had to face was time management. When I fired my employer, I had all this time in the world. As soon as I left that office, a huge weight was lifted off my shoulder. I walked out of that parking lot head held high. I finally felt like a boss. I felt like I was here for me and it was such an amazing feeling. But then the reality set in, in the days and months to come that I had to learn more than I even knew I had to learn at the time. Time management is extremely important. When you have all this time and you don't necessarily know what to do with it, the unproductivity of it all can really come back and haunt you. I had to struggle with design, sales, bid work, to family time, to when's the best time to approach the type of customers I'm going for. Are they working during the day? Are they working at night? Do I want to bug them during their dinner? There's so much I had to learn in that aspect. And then all the way down to the bookkeeping. I never had to worry about finances before other than my paycheck and my simple household income. Now, all of a sudden, I'm realizing I have to keep track of the money that's coming and going, so I'm very careful with it. I have to record it all. I have to file everything in an organized fashion. All of those tasks were just, it was all a learning curve that I had to figure out. Let's talk about employees. You obviously spent a lot of your career being an employee, and now, as a business owner, you're the employer. And I would imagine in your line of work, one job may require a few people, another job may require 10 people. How have you been able to manage that process of being an employer? So going from starting my own company, going out on my own, to picking up enough work where now I need help. I can't just do it alone. I need to hire somebody to help me. That was a big step for me, hiring that first person, because now I started feeling like I was a boss. And my ideology of a boss was completely different than it is today. It felt good. But the more work I took on, the more employees I had to hire, the more time management with employees became something I had to focus on. As an employee, I always went in. I did what the boss told me to do. That was that. I never looked at it from his point of view. 
how are his employees managing their time and, and making the most use of their time. Larger projects require extra help. And you can't necessarily hire those people on full time because next month you might have less work and you can't carry all that overhead. You gotta be very careful with your overhead when you're when you're building something because the overhead alone will destroy you. So it can be a challenge to throughout the seasons to need those ten guys, manage them correctly, and then only need just a few guys. But along the way you wanna build nice and slow so that you can learn how to manage your team correctly. Let's talk about new business and acquiring new customers. Now that you've been in business for a while, do a lot of the customers come in from word of mouth and referrals, or do you still find yourself in that situation where you have to chase down a lot of the business? I like to go on social media and provide value to others. I don't do the normal sales, hey, pick me, pick me. I like to build a relationship with people on platforms like LinkedIn and and Facebook, Instagram, things like that. I like to just build a strong business relationship with somebody, leaving any selfish needs off the table. And should that person choose to reach out to me for a business need, then great. But I sort of just go out there, give advice to contractors, developers, anybody in my industry converse back and forth without ever bringing up any sales call whatsoever. And if they think they need my services, they'll contact me for that. I'm confident in that because building relationships is a much stronger bond than just a cold call sales call. I've noticed through the years that you have a much better chance at doing any work and the work that you do do is good when the person trusts you from the start. So I like to build relationships before I ever expect that they need my services. When it comes to starting and and running a business, what are some of the lessons you've learned along the way that you would want to share with other entrepreneurs out there? You really have to watch the numbers. You got to keep track of your spending costs, keep track of your overhead, all the little maintenance costs that you don't think about. You really have to, at least once a week, Make sure you're getting all your numbers together for the week and know where you stand financially. If you get yourself so busy that you can't keep track of the numbers, you have no idea if you're making money or losing money, and you're too busy to find out until it's too late. The most important thing has to be know where your money is and know where your money's going. You have to do that first. You can do everything else right, but if you fail there, the company won't last. So Josh, when you when you look back to that first side project you did in that first customer, you mentioned that she literally had an emotional reaction to the work you'd done. And I think you had said that she actually cried. And let's just be clear, those were, were happy tears. How does that make you feel when you're creating a work like that or creating a product for your customers and you're able to deliver that kind of reaction? This goes back to what I was saying earlier, where I'm not about the sales, the numbers, the closings. I want to create the best possible buying experience from the moment a customer calls me till the very end when they see their big reveal. I want to create the best possible experience they can have in this home improvement industry because it can be very stressful 
And home improvement contracting is a very stressful industry for a home buyer. I want to minimize that. I always strive to minimize that for my customers. And that follows suit to my team members as well, all my employees, you know. When I hire a new employee and he's sitting there working in the shop over and over building this stuff, when he finally gets to go out on the road and and do that install, he too gets to experience the customer's emotional reaction like that. And every time we pack up the tools and head back to the shop, they always look over at me and they say, that is exactly why I love what we do. I needed to see that. That makes it all worth it. So you went from being the guy in the back in the warehouse who was building everything, but never got to actually install it or see the final reveal. And now you're the employer and you're bringing all your employees along for that ride so they can see the reveal too. Correct. Because after that very first kitchen and I got that emotion, I realized my employer never gave me the chance to see what I was really doing to people, how I was really impacting them. And I swore from that day, if I ever had a company, because back then I didn't, I want to make sure my entire team gets that reward. Because that reward, seeing somebody react emotionally beyond their control for something you did, you built with your hands, there's no amount of money that can compare to how good that makes you feel. You built that. You gave them that experience. It's amazing. Josh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. I appreciate it, Lou. Thank you very much. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs start businesses to solve a problem. In Josh's case, we pick up his story as a teenager who simply needed a stand to put his TV on. So he built one. And here we are, years later, and people are reaching out to Josh because they need to put their TVs onto something. He went from building a TV stand for his childhood bedroom to elite custom entertainment units that span an entire wall. When I was talking with Josh before our interview, he mentioned that he dreams of becoming the largest custom cabinet manufacturer in the Northeast. Josh now has five sons, and only time will tell, of course, but he hopes that they may decide to follow in his footsteps and work in the industry. You know, whether or not Josh's sons ever decide to follow him into the business, the gift he's already given them is priceless. He showed his children that you could build something from nothing, that you can build a business and build products that bring such delight to people that you can literally bring them to tears. Happy tears, of course. That's our show for today. If you've enjoyed listening, please subscribe, rate us, and write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps new listeners find the show, and we greatly appreciate your support. If you know someone who has a great side hustle to small business story to share, drop us a line at hiscox.com slash side hustle to small business. Side hustle to small business is produced by Hiscox Insurance. I'm Lucas Al. It's time to stop listening and start hustling. This podcast is provided as general information only and is not intended to be business, insurance, or legal advice for any particular person or entity.